The kingdom of heaven, like finding a treasure of incomparable worth. And we have been walking through this Matthew chapter 13 as Jesus tries to describe the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of heaven is the reign and rule of God in our lives individually, and also his reign and rule of of God over all the world. But we focus in on the reign and rule of God in our lives. And in order to try to explain that, Jesus used parables. And parables were, were stories where he took everyday events, things that, that those people could relate to, put it alongside his teaching so they could better understand the meaning. But I also think he did it because it gave you some hooks to grab onto, something to be able to not only understand it, but also to remember it. And because the kingdom of God, it is so vast in its understanding, he tells a number of different parables to kind of get the message across. And so we've looked at some different ones, but today there are two parables that go hand in hand. And he tells the first parable about um, the man who was plowing a field. He, he hits a, a box, opens it up in his treasure, he covers it back up, and then he goes in and, and buys the field so he can get the treasure. Well, when you look at that in detail and, and dry into their life, they could see all the agriculture work that was done. And they would see these day laborers that would go into people's fields and, uh, and they would rent out an area and they would work that field. And as they're working the field, it's, they could put themselves in the mind of this story to where there's a day laborer and he is going along and he's plowing the field and all of a sudden, his plowshares hit something. It's some kind of hardening. doesn't really know what it is and thinks it's a rock or a stump or something. And then he goes down, he bends down, and he clears the dirt. He sees that it's a box of treasure. Now, now this was something that was, um, uh, that was not unusual during that day. Uh, during that day, uh, people didn't have banks to put their money in like they, like they do today. And so what would happen is when they would get their particular treasures, they would separate them as to what we need to live with. And then some even commentaries have said, then they set another side, a group over here that was like their savings to where if something happened and they had to grab the money real quick, they could just grab it and run. But then there was other parts of their treasure that they buried for safety. And so they would go and they'd bury it and they, they'd put it somewhere on the property. Well, throughout the years, that person could have died, didn't tell anybody where the treasure was. The land was constantly being invaded and different people took over. And so all of a sudden you had your home here and somebody took over and they invaded you and they took everything and you never dug up your treasure. Nobody knew it was there and it could have changed hands uh, for years and different owners here in the house and no one ever found this. But this particular guy on this particular day, all of a sudden he hits this box and when he hits this box, he opens it up. And when he opens up, he sees there's incredible treasures in there. He closes it back up, he puts the dirt over, and he says, this is what I'm going to do. He said, I'm going to buy this land from the owner. And so the scripture says he sells everything that he has. That means everything that he has. He sells his oxen, he sells his plows, he sells his instruments. He comes in the house, takes all the clothes that he doesn't need, he sells those, he sells the odds and ends. He sends his wife to the grocery store and sells her stuff. And so, you know, everything he can think of, he's selling. And he's gaining money on there and he, and he gathers it all together and he gets just the amount that he needs that would be a fair price for the field. And he buys the field. But it said that when he did it, he said he did this in his joy. He was so excited. When he found this, he says, this is incredible. And so he says, the kingdom of God is like that treasure of just incomparable wealth. But then he says, but then there was another story. 
And he says, the kingdom of God is like the merchant that was seeking after pearls. Now, during that day, pearls were what we would equate to diamonds today. If you had pearls, you had a fortune. And as you know from pearls, there are different um, standards of pearls. Some are, are greater value than others. And so this particular person was a merchant. He was a pearl dealer. And so he's like a wholesaler. He would go and he would travel most likely towards the Indian Ocean, which is where they got the pearls. And then he would go and talk to all these different fishermen who had found these pearls out of these oysters. And, and as they displayed their pearls, he found one that was like almost the perfect pearl. It was incredible. And so when he saw it and understanding, he goes and takes all his other pearls and he trades them in, gets money off there and divests himself of every other thing he's got, sells everything in order to gain enough funds to go and to purchase this pearl. And even then he knows that whatever price he paid for this pearl is even less than what that pearl is worth because it is of such great value. And it says, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And he says, so I want you to remember the hidden treasure and remember the pearl of great price. So, let's just close in prayer. <laughs> no, you say, well, that was, those are two good stories. And, um, you know, I've been reading these and reading these uh, parables. And uh, you're never too old to learn. It's not like we ever gain everything. You don't go to seminary and you learn everything. God's constantly teaching you new things. And as I kept reading this over and over and began to look back at the other parables, I've got a little bit of different, different view on, um, on Jesus's teachings on these parables. You know, when Jesus taught about the kingdom of God, the reign and rule of God in your life, it was for the audiences just like you but then there were times when he just pulled the disciples in and just talked to them. Now, they were included with the audience, but there were some times when he just pulled them in. And this is one of those times where he didn't share this with everyone. He took his 12 disciples and they got in a separate room and he began to talk to them and he told them about, about this. Now, everyone always talks about when they study Jesus, they say he's a master teacher. People who are believers and people who are skeptics will look and look at the teachings of Jesus and say he was just an amazing teacher. Well, in order to be an amazing teacher, it means that you need to be able to um, communicate truth to where not only people understand, but that they hold on to it. And Jesus is realizing that maybe a year or so from now, he was going to be killed and then three days later was going to be raised from the dead, but then was going to send to heaven. He's going to leave everything with these followers. It's their responsibility to take the gospel and spread it to all the world. So in his teaching, he has got to give them truths that not only they understand, but they've got stickability to them. Something they can remember, something they can hold on to. And if he's going to lead these men, he has got to be able to teach truths in such a way that when times get tough they hold on to it. He's got to teach these men in such a way that when they go out and people reject their message, that they don't just give up. He's got to teach these men in such a way that when they go out and they get persecuted and they get beaten and threatened of death, that they don't give up. 
What's going to keep them moving forward? What's going to keep them from after two years just throwing up their hands and saying, hey, this thing's all not worth it? And so when Jesus began his ministry, it says he began teaching about the kingdom of God. When you read about his ministry, he teaches about the kingdom of God. When he came back from the resurrection of the dead and before he ascended to heaven, it says he was teaching about the kingdom of God. This is important stuff. And he wants these guys to understand it. So, so as I was going back over the different parables, I, I can almost see the leader talking to his, whether it be a sales force or whatever group it is, it's the, it's the, uh, it's the guys that have got to make this thing work. And he's letting them know, men, this is the kingdom of God. This is the reign of God. And let me tell you what's going to happen. And I want you to keep in mind these teachings to keep you going. And we talked a few weeks ago, remember the, the uh, parable about the, <clears throat> the sower and the seed? And he talks about how the sower goes out to sow seed and three out of four of the soils get rejected. You know, the weeds come up, the birds come and steal it over here, uh, the thorns choke it out. And he says, but then there's good soil and it's going to multiply 30, 60, 100. He's telling these guys, he says, guys, now listen, when I'm gone, you're going to go and share the message of Christ. Everybody's not going to be happy about it. Everybody's not going to receive it. Some people are going to reject it. And you're going to go, and your job is not to analyze the soil, but it's to continue to sow seed, sow seed, sow seed, because it's going to hit in that good soil. When it hits in that good soil, it's going to go beyond anything you would have imagined. 30, 60, 100 fold. Keep that in mind. Everybody's not going to receive it. But you stay the task because there is that good soil and it's going to multiply. The power is in the seed. It's not in you. You're just the sower. Okay, that's a good thing. Then he talked about the wheat and the tares. And he said, listen, there are wheat's going to grow up and then there are tares. And these weeds look a lot like wheat. I'm going to tell you, remember I told you in the Sermon on the Mount, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. There are going to be some people that you think are with you and they're really not. You don't need to waste your time trying to figure out now, are you in, or are you in, or are you really a believer, or are you not a believer? No. You just keep planting the seed. You keep teaching people, and the goal is to be wheat that's ready for harvest, people that are ready for the judgment of God to happen because they are living out the lordship of Christ in their life. That's what you focus on, okay? And then last week, the mustard seed and the leaven. He said the mustard seed is really small seed when you plant it. All of a sudden, it grows in a sizable shrub. He says, that's like you guys. There's only 12 of you. And then when you get together after I'm ascended to heaven, there's probably going to be about 100, 120 of you. And I've told you to go into all the world. I'm telling you, there's a small beginning, but it's going to grow to something beyond anything you can imagine. I want you to hold on to that. And remember I talked to you about leaven, that little yeast. And when you put it in the dough, it then permeates everything and it grows into this big loaf. He said, you just need to know that the message of Christ, when it comes out, it is going to permeate. It permeates the lives of an individual. Once it permeates the lives of individuals, it then affects a community and can even affect a world to where you see the message of Christ spread and what it means when his power comes into your life. He said, that's going to happen. Keep that in mind. When you get discouraged, I want you to keep that in mind. You're planting the seeds, small beginnings, big things are going to happen. Then he pulls them aside and he says, the kingdom of God is like hidden treasure. It's like a pearl of great value. Now, three things that I want you to write down that I'm thinking tie in with this is to what Jesus is reminding his disciples and what he's reminding us. Are you ready? Number one, 
don't forget the WJS of the kingdom. It was worth it just to come for that, wasn't it? The WJS of the kingdom. Now, go home tonight, see if you can figure it out, come back next week, and we'll talk to you. What is WJS? The WJS of the kingdom. The W is wonder, the J is joy, and the S is surrender. All right, wonder, joy, surrender. We're going to talk more about it in just a second. You ready? All right, I want you to repeat after me. Wonder, joy, surrender. Ready, go. Wonder, joy, surrender. One more time. Wonder, joy, surrender. Choir, wonder, joy, surrender. Jesus is telling them, I want you to remember this about the kingdom. The wonder, the joy, the surrender. Number one, the incomparable worth. Did I say worth or wonder? Wonder, I wondered why I said that. It was worth, all right? The worth of the kingdom. What am I wondering about? All right, the worth. All right, now we gotta say it all over again. All right, you ready? Worth, joy, surrender. Thank you. Worth, joy, surrender. It's the worth of the kingdom. It's incomparable worth. He says, you need to remember the incomparable worth. Both these men, when they saw the treasure and when they saw the pearl, it was worth it. It was worth, it was an incomparable worth. There's no way they could even put a price tag on it. And when you think about the kingdom, you think about the worth. What does that mean, the reign of God in your life? It means that when you make a decision to receive Christ as Savior, that there is a forgiveness of sins. And that no longer you alienated from your creator. But now your sins have been forgiven. You have been adopted into the family of God. You can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You were receive the Holy Spirit, you'll be daily led by the Holy Spirit that will give you guidance and direction in your life. And then you will have a life that will be lived on purpose for which you were created for. And then when you die, you spend eternity with God in heaven. Now that is worth a lot. And you take all of that and you say, was there anything here on earth that's worth more than that? Everything here on earth is temporal. Everything here is fleeting. And this is something that goes for eternity. It's incomparable worth. And Jesus is telling them, guys, it's like the hidden treasure. It's like the pearl of great price. It's incomparable worth. But then the second thing is the joy of possession. The joy of possession. When the hidden treasure, as soon as he found the treasure, you know what motivated him was his joy. He said with joy he went and he sold everything. There was a joy, that joy of possession, to be able to possess it, to possess that that pearl, to possess this. In both these parables, there was no compulsion, there was no command, nobody was being forced to do this. But when they discovered it, there was such a joy, they said, I've got to do this. You know, we, we were reminded today, and we had, uh, this week we had a meeting, and, and Michael was sharing uh, just some great insights to say, you know, the kingdom of God is not a list of do's and don'ts so that we can just be better moral people. That's not what people are asking you to come and make a decision for Christ just so you can be a better moral person. It's a transformation that takes place in your life. It is being adopted into God's family. It's being his child. It's living a life that's pleasing to him. And he will come in and totally transform your life. And so there's a joy of possessing that. It's not a surface happiness, but it's a deep joy that transcends all the hurts and the pains and the disappointments that this world can throw at you. Your deepest needs are met. Your deepest longings are satisfied. Your deepest hurts are bandaged up. And there's a future and there's a hope. Unlike any other, it adds up to be joy. The Christian life is joyful. I know that's a shock for some of you. It's joyful because of its incomparable worth. 
It is amazing. And Jesus in teaching his disciples is saying, guys, don't forget the W and the J and the S. Don't forget the worth of the kingdom. Don't forget the joy of possessing the kingdom. And the S is surrender. That's the willingness to surrender all. There's a willingness to surrender all. And so when you talk about the kingdom and you have an opportunity to make that decision for Christ, you're willing to surrender all. They desired their discovery so greatly that each man sold everything he had to purchase it. There was no hesitation. Once you see a treasure of that magnitude, you realize that any sacrifice, any surrender that you make will pale in comparison to the worth of the treasure. Thus, you're willing to surrender your all. That's what the kingdom of God means, the reign or rule of God in your life. Now, there's no way that God can rule your life if you're holding on to your life. You have to turn it over and say, God, I want to be led by you. I want to be directed by you. I'm going to read your word. And as I read your word, I want to be directed by your word. As I pray, I want to be directed by you. Yeah, I want to learn from you. I want to be directed by you. I want you to be the Lord, the master of my life. And that means there's a willingness to surrender it all. And that's what these people did. They said, well, I'm giving it all because the treasure is so valuable. Jesus told them, I don't want you to ever forget the, the WJNS. Always remember the W, the J, and the S. There are going to be difficult times, but you need to understand it's worth it, the incredible joy, and the surrender. All of that together, you need to remember. Let me tell you the second thing, and that is that the gospel is for everyone. Don't write off anyone. The gospel is for everyone. Don't write off anyone. You know, these two parables, it's interesting. When you first read these parables, you quickly read them. You say, I wonder why Jesus told these two parables and said, okay, one's like a treasure, one's like a pearl. I think I kind of got the idea with the treasure that it's worth a lot. Now he comes over and talks about the pearl. But you need to read it closer. And that is, there were two different approaches to this treasure. And so I've taken it just and made, made a phrase of it to say there's two types of folks that come to Christ. Number one is the surprise finder the surprised finder. You see, in that first one with the um, treasure, he wasn't looking for anything. This is just a day laborer who's just doing his job. This is kind of the person that's just going through life and all they're doing is saying, I'm eating, I'm drinking, I'm sleeping, I'm doing my work, and then one day I'm going to die. That's it. I'm just going through life like this. And I'm just gonna plow through life. And what happens with a surprise finder is that he wasn't looking for any treasure, but he then stumbles on it accidentally. He recognizes its value, and then he sells everything. But it was a surprise finder. I wasn't even looking for this. There was not on my radar. I did not mention to my wife when I went out to work, hey, I wonder if I'll find some buried treasure today. No, I'm just going through life. And that's the way a lot of people are. They're just going through life. They're not thinking about anything that's spiritual. they just just living a day at a time. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, they run headlong into the gospel. John chapter 4, Jesus and the woman at the well, Samaritan woman. Remember, Jesus was traveling uh, through Samaria. He stopped at a well. He sent his disciples in town to get some food. And all of a sudden, a woman comes out in the middle of the day, and she's coming to draw water. And automatically she sees Jesus. She knows he's a Jew. And during that day, the Jews didn't like the Samaritans. The Samaritans didn't like the Jews. 
And a Jew didn't like Samaritans, and they really didn't have any respect for a woman, and especially a Samaritan woman. And so this is not any conversation that's going anywhere. And all of a sudden, they get into a conversation. Jesus initiates it and begins to talk to her, finds out that she's had five husbands and is living with the sixth guy. So this is the woman who's been around, done everything. She has got nothing spiritual on her mind. She's just going out to draw some water like she does every day. And then, boom, she runs into the Son of God. And he begins to talk to her. And bottom line, he says, you're out here to get physical water. I'm telling you, I can give you living water. And it radically transformed her life. And she ran back to the village, brought everybody out, and everyone for the next few days sat and listened to what Jesus had to say. It was hidden treasure. She wasn't even on her, on her radar. And boom, there she is. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas are, are in Philippi and they get thrown in jail. And when they get thrown in jail, while they're in their jail cell, they're singing songs. Isn't that what you're supposed to do, Michael? They're singing songs uh, over there. And, and so they're singing praises to God after being beaten and sitting in jail. And all of a sudden an earthquake comes up. When an earthquake comes up, uh, it, it like breaks open the, the shackles of people. And there's a fear that all the prisoners will escape. And so the jailer who's in charge of it, he comes out and takes his sword and he's getting ready to kill himself. Because he knows if any prisoner escapes, it's death to him. And Paul and Silas, they call out and say, hey, 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 don't do anything. We're all here. We're still here. We're good. We're good. And he looks at them and his comment to them is, what must I do to be saved? I mean, he's just coming into work, clocking in. He's got the evening shift. He doesn't have any spiritual things on his mind. He's just got two prisoners that they brought in over here. And yet while he's sitting there working his shift, these two guys are singing songs about Jesus and God and praising him. And they're in this incredible situation. And he's listening to these guys, their conversation, their singing. And then all of a sudden, it just hit him to the heart. And he says, what must I do to be saved? He takes them home, cleans up their wounds. They share the gospel. And the whole family makes decisions and they're saved. You see, it was a surprise finder had no idea that they would ever run headlong into the gospel. And oftentimes what happens is life situations bring us to this unexpected discovery of the treasure of the kingdom of God. It could be the funeral of a friend. It could be that you were fired from your job. It could be that on this Valentine's Day, you look at your spouse and you see that the light has gone out. And you don't know what to do. You got kids that are rebelling. You got kids that are dealing with life issues that you never had to deal with. And you just don't know what to do. And you're at wit's end. And there's a struggle happening in your life. And then all of a sudden, as you're plowing through life, you hit this treasure box. It could be a sermon that you hear on television while you're channel surfing. It could be a song from a Christian artist. It could be a movie that had a gospel theme to it. It could be a friend who just shows up at your deepest despair and she shares the gospel with you. It could be sitting in church today hearing this sermon or at home watching this on live stream. It was unexpected. But once you heard the message, you joyfully surrendered your life, your all to follow Jesus and allow him to be the Lord of your life. You weren't expecting this, but it came. And you want to make that decision. You see, they're surprised finds. But also, the second is they're serious seekers. There are serious seekers. That's like this merchant, this pearl merchant. 
This was the focus of his life. This is what he did for a living. He wholesaled pearls. So he would go and look for pearls. And he would go and he would travel and he would look at all of these fishermen with all of their pearls and he would look at them to see what had the best luster or the shape or the size or the surface or the color of it. And keeping those characteristics in mind, he would look at each one of those pearls and and he had been judging pearls his whole life. That was his whole life to look to find what is the best pearl. I want to find the best pearl. And when you read about it, it says because of the way nature is, most pearls have got some kind of flaw on it just because they're there in that oyster. Rarely will you find a perfect pearl. And who knows when he found this pearl of great value, maybe it was a flawless pearl. Maybe it was that perfect pearl. It's what he'd always been looking for. And when he saw it, he says, I got to have that. This is it. This is a once in a lifetime. This has got incomparable worth. This has got incredible joy. I'm willing to surrender all for that. You see, there will be those who are seriously seeking to understand spiritual matters. They search for the highest good in life. They're looking for some type of meaning, some type of purpose, some type of ultimate fulfillment. And after a long search of other religions and all that this world has to offer, wealth and power and pleasure and sensuality and fame, when they've searched all of these things, they finally came to Christ and they found it in Christ. They found there's something different because it's a gospel of grace. It's not based on works like other religions and ideologies. It's not me trying to be good enough to accomplish some things. It's out of grace. It's an incredible gift of grace that God has given through his son, Jesus Christ. And when they discover that, nothing compares with the joy. Nothing compares with the fulfillment. Nothing compares with the significance of serving Jesus Christ. So they gladly exchange their lesser pearls for the pearl of great value. It's the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, John chapter 3. A Pharisee. I mean, he's one of the upper level people in that, in that whole stratus of, of fame and popularity, I guess, up there. People who've arrived. And he was a seeker of spiritual things. And so he, at night, he came by to sit down to talk to Jesus and said, I've got to understand this more. I've got a lot of questions. And because he was seeking, all of a sudden, the Savior made it clear to him. Scripture shows that he became a, a follower of Christ. He was seeking. Or Acts chapter 8 with the Ethiopian eunuch. Remember there was a man who, who worked high up in the, in, the, in the office of the treasury there uh, for the queen there of Ethiopia. He traveled all the way to Jerusalem to worship in the synagogue, in the temple, excuse me, worship there in the temple. And after he finished worshiping in the temple, he's traveling back. And as he's traveling back, God brings Philip and brings him into his uh, kind of the same direction he's going with his chariot. And while he's sitting in his chariot, he's reading from the scroll of Isaiah. And he's reading and he gets to a point where it's talking about this suffering servant and he doesn't understand it. And so here comes Philip. He says, can you explain this to me? This guy is seriously seeking. Philip explains it to him right there. He makes the decision. He understands who Christ is and he makes a decision, ask him, come into his life. And then he says, hey, followed in baptism. He said, hey, there's water there. Let me be, let me be baptized. It was a serious seeker. And what Jesus is reminding his disciples is, guys, the gospel is for everyone. Don't write off anyone. And we need to remember that. I mean, there's some that you say they're just completely disinterested in the gospel. 
God loves them, you just keep sowing the seed. And there's some that you say, hey, I think this one's really getting close. Fine, pour your life into that one too. But don't write off anyone else. Because what will happen is some people are going to bump into you and be a surprise. In this congregation, there are a lot of, everybody could give their testimony. And their testimony is that some can tell you that they weren't looking for anything. And it's almost like they bumped into the treasure box. Some will say that their life was about as hopeless as could be. It could be alcohol, it could be abuse, it could be abandonment. Things were going on and all of a sudden they met the Savior. There are others here in our congregation who were atheists, who intellectually had doubts, who intellectually began to say, let's take a clear look at what Scripture says. And when they opened up, all of a sudden God spoke to their heart and through all of that seeking and all of that looking, they came to a point to where they say, hey, I believe the scriptures are true. This makes sense. And so we can come from all different backgrounds. And when you look at this parable about the hidden treasure and the pearl of great price, you just need to understand that the two people that came at it came from two different backgrounds, two completely <laughs> different uh, uh, motivations. But when they both came to it, God spoke to them, and he made that decision. And here's the final point, <laughs> and you got to listen. <laughs> be the treasure box and be the pearl fisherman. What? Be the treasure box and be the pearl fisherman. This isn't like wonder where I got the wrong word. This is correct. Are you ready? Be the treasure box, be the pearl fisherman. What do I mean by that? Well... When uh, he was plowing, he hit this box. It was a treasure box. Nothing valuable in the box. It was when you open it up, that's where the treasure was, okay? What we need to do is we need to be the treasure box. Those who receive Christ as Savior, we have within us the treasure of the kingdom of God. And there will be people that will be coming into our lives, will intersect with us, and will bump into us along the way. And when they bump into us along the way, that is our opportunity to open up the treasure box and to say, I just want to tell you about one of the greatest things that's ever happened in my life and the difference that's been made in my life because of who Christ is. And you share the treasure. And let them see the worth of it and experience the joy of it and be willing to make that surrender to receive it. Be the treasure box. Be prepared to do that. Be the pearl fisherman. In the parable, there's no mention of a pearl fisherman, but it's implied. Somebody had to go down deep and get those oysters, open it up, and get the pearls out, right? There was a fisherman. There was a pearl fisherman. And that day when the merchant came around and he was seeking, looking after pearls, and you can almost tie it like this. I'm looking to see what the world's got. I've got over here, there's fame over here, uh, there's money over here, there's sensuality over here, there's popularity over here. Uh, I've got all these different things. I'm looking at all these pearls. But yet there's one person over here, one fisherman, who's got the pearl of great value. He's got it. It's not him. He's not the valuable. It's the pearl. It's the gospel. He's got it right there. But what if that day the pearl fisherman said, you know, I'm just going to stay in today. 
I just, I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to worry with it. Then when that merchant came through that day, he would have never seen that and his life would have never been transformed. For us, you be the pearl fisherman. If you've got the gospel, you hold on to it and you display it. And as you come into contact with people throughout life, you be able to tell them about the pearl of great value. And there's just something inside of me that thinks that when Jesus is talking to his disciples and he said, guys, I want you to remember all these pictures and there are going to be some hard times. And when there are hard times, you know, if I'm sitting there and I'm one disciple with another disciple over here and I'm trying to pick him up, I'm going to say hidden treasure, pearl of great value, hidden treasure, pearl of great value. Come on. We have to stay the course. Hidden treasure, pearl of great value. Stay the course. Stay the course. And that's what we need to be. You know, we mentioned that um, we talked about our um, mission statement, sending transformed people to influence their world for Christ. We looked at influence and we said, it is your sphere appointed by God. It is your sphere appointed by God. And there will be people that you have an opportunity to influence that will be bouncing into you and out of your life. I drove home to me early when I was in my early 20s, about 20, being a member of a social fraternity and, and being one who professed Christ and, and they respected those views on there. But I tried to live that life. And again, I'm not perfect, but I'm trying to live that, that life for Christ. And all of a sudden, a guy who pledged two years younger than me, as I'm into my senior year, comes up to me out of the clear blue and says, hey, Danny, I don't know if you know this, but I'm an atheist. And I've been watching you for this entire year. I've heard what you said. And what I want to know is, do you really believe what you say? And he said, I just want to tell you, I think you're consistent. That kind of means something to me. I had no idea. I had no idea. But when that man, that young guy made that statement to me, it has resonated with me to know Every day, every minute, somebody's looking at you. And when you're carrying the banner of Christ, you've got an opportunity to say, there's something different in my life. There's an incredible hidden treasure here. There's an incredible pearl of great value. And if we will live our lives like that, then we will have an in- opportunity to influence uh, all kinds of people with the gospel and say, God, I just want you to use me I just want to be the hidden treasure box. I want to be the pearl fisherman. I want to carry that. And I want to be used by you. You could be here today and say, well, Danny, I, under- I see what you're saying, but you know, I've never made this decision, this um, decision to, re- to receive Christ. Well, let me just tell you that what Jesus did for us is that he is that our God knows that we have all sinned. And that sin means that we've messed up, we've done things wrong, and it has separated us from a holy God. And as much as he loves us, our sin is a barrier to our relationship with him. And so in the midst of that love, he didn't send us some rules and say, if you just work real hard, maybe you can get good enough and get to me. No, he said, tell you what I'm going to do, I'm going to come to you. And he took his one and only son, sent him to earth, lived for 33 years, lived that perfect life, and then died on a cross 
Because it says that the wages of sin is death. There has to be punishment for sin. So God's not going to give anybody a free pass. So he had his own son die the death. Wages of sin is death. And took that blood and he covered our sins. And so when we receive that offering, we receive that gift of grace. Then he says, you are adopted into my family and you're a part of my family. And, and when that happens, God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, comes into your life and begins to guide you and direct you. And then one day, when you take that last breath here on earth, you take that first breath in heaven with him. And you're with him for eternity. See, that's the gospel. And so, if you've never made that decision, I would strongly encourage you today to say, you know what, I want to do that. Because you're here today. And you are probably like the day laborer, and all of a sudden your plowshares hit a, hit a hidden treasure box and you weren't looking for anything and all of a sudden you go, whoa, this is it. And there'll be incredible joy if you make that decision for Christ today. So I'm gonna ask you just a moment. I want everybody to bow your heads, close your eyes for just a moment. And if, um, if you've never made a decision today to receive Christ as Savior, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray to ask Christ to come into your heart. And as I pray this prayer, if this is the prayer of your heart, I want you to repeat it not out loud, but just in your own spirit to the Lord. And say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and my sins have separated me from you. I thank you that you came to die for my sins. And we're raised from the dead, conquering sin and conquering death. And I ask you to forgive me of these sins and for you to come into my life and to save me from those sins. And allow me to walk with you every day. Knowing that when I die, I will spend eternity in heaven with you. Amen. Just look up. If any of you prayed that, that prayer uh, today, the back of your worship tab is a place where you can check and say, hey, I, I prayed or I want to talk to someone about that. And then as you turn those in, we gather those up. We're going to contact you and talk to you. Or at the end of this service, when we close the service out, myself and some others will be over here. There'll be some people up in the balcony. After the service, you can come and just talk to us. We'll be glad to talk to you and pray with you and celebrate with you and help you get some next, next steps along the way. But this time, we're going to um, partake in the Lord's Supper. And um, the Lord's Supper is a great opportunity to remember Jesus and, uh, and what he has done for us. You remember, um, I told you, when you think of the kingdom of heaven, you remember the WJS and you remember the W, it's the worth. Now, let me tell you about the worth. The worth of Jesus is that there was never has a more valuable blood ever been shed than Jesus's. And in Revelation 1.5, it says, to him, Jesus, who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. It's by him dying on the cross, shedding his blood for us. That is the incredible worth. But then there's a joy. Man, when you look at Jesus and you see the joy, and it says in Hebrews 12 too, it says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, 
He willingly went to the cross and endured an incredible, painful, both physical and spiritual and emotional uh, death. But it says he looked at it with joy. And he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And what the joy was, was he knew that once the cross was completed, that God was going to raise him from the dead. And once he was raised from the dead, sin and death were conquered, and that you and me and everyone that has come before us and comes after us has that opportunity to be adopted into the family of God. And it was that joy that did that. So there's worth and there's joy, but then there's also surrender. And he set the stage for that. John ten seventeen. he says, for this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. And he laid down his life for us. And he's, I'll take it up again means there'll be the resurrection. There was a willingness to surrender for all. So in just a moment, when we partake of the Lord's supper, it will remind us of his death and his burial and his resurrection, but also the fact that one day, that he's coming back again. So at this time, I'd like for uh, our ushers to prepare for the serving of the elements. And as our ushers come to prepare, let me give you just a couple of words about this. In just a moment, uh, these men will take a plate and they'll pass it. And when they pass it, if you will pick up uh, just the one cup and there's a wafer in there and there's also a cup in there. Say, well, who can partake in this? Well, any person who's made a decision for Christ, you may call it adopted in the family of God, born again, a salvation decision. If you've ever done that, you don't have to be a member of our church. You're a member of the church family as a whole, and we're just glad you're here and want you to take part of it. But if you're here and you say, well, Danny, you know, I've, I've never made that decision, then that's fine. Then what we ask is that as we take the plate, then you just pass it. No need for you to take, take an element on there. And just be thinking and listening as we're talking about what this means. And, uh, and listen to the Spirit of God speak to your heart. And, and, uh, but we just thank you for being here and being part of this. So I will lead us in a word of prayer. And uh, as soon as I lead us in that word of prayer, then they'll begin to serve the elements. You just hold on to it, and I'll give you some further instructions. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. And we thank you for his death on the cross. And for the fact that he was willing to lay down his life for us. It's our prayer that during this time of the partaking of the Lord's Supper, that it would be a time of introspection. And that each of us would look at our own lives. And where there's some areas that, 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 Father, that we're failing, that we want to move closer to you, may you speak to us. And may we think about the incomparable worth of the gospel and say, God, yes, I'm willing to surrender all I am to you today. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. The Bible says that um, on that night when uh, Jesus had that uh, Passover meal with his disciples, that as they were serving the meal, they, they took uh, time and took uh, two of the elements and uh, he gave some uh, meaning and some significance to these. First thing he took was the bread and he broke the bread and he told his disciples that this bread represents his body, which was going to be broken for them. They were to take it and they were to eat this. Scripture said as they went through their meal, they came to a time near to the end of the meal where they took the cup. When they took the cup, Jesus says that this cup represents my blood, which is going to be poured out for you for the remission of sins and is the beginning of a new covenant between God and man. And then he took the cup and he told them to drink. 